Wow. I think they handle change pretty good. Um, I don't like change, like, not even a little. Um, my husband can attest to this. Like, I really, really don't like change. But the truth is, is that most of us don't like change. Because change can be pretty difficult, right? And there's so many different types of change that we go through in life. Um, a new job, a different school, unemployed, marriage, relationships, loss, college, new baby, you name it. We are all going through so much changes in life. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to change, I often go kicking and screaming. Like, I don't like change. What are some thoughts that come to your mind when you think of the word change? Do you know the first thought that came to my mind, this is the truth, it was the word barf. I wrote it down. It was the first, first thought, I was like, barf. Maybe some of you guys think scary or overwhelming or unknown or sad, like the movie that we just watched that was kind of like an emotional sad. And then there's some of you absolute strange weirdos in this place that say exciting. You are few and you are strange. Like I never think of like, wow, change, exciting, new adventure. Like I, I just, I can't relate to that. Like I just, I don't think that. You know, being a mom of three small kids, um, if you don't know me, my name is Melanie Kinney and my husband is Drew Kinney right here on the front. And we have three small kids, very small. And um, one thing I've learned about having three small little tiny humans is that you have to create some systems and routine and things kind of have to be pretty constant. Um, you're trying to kind of consistently move three kids through day and life and, and it's really good to have some structure and routine. And the reality is, is that kids thrive in that type of atmosphere. Um, they really do, they love it. But it's really apparent when you change the routine, right? All moms say amen. Like you, you switch something up and it's, it can be the end of the world. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's important to have routine with your kids. And my four-year-old, she wakes up every morning and she asks what the routine is for the day. Like her daily questions are, what are we doing? Where are we going? Because she's got to be on the go. Who are we going with? Because it can't just be me, mom, her, you know, like another sister. It's got to be somebody else. And can I wear a tutu dress? <laughs> Literally, every day. Every single day, can I wear a tutu dress? And um, she created her own routine in the morning. Because no one in their right mind would do this with their kids. But she decided that she was going to get up early every day. Every day. And she was going to get up before Drew would go to work. So she, she like created this internal clock that would go off at the same time every day, and she would get up. And she'd come out of the room, and she would make sure that Drew was home, and she'd find him, and they would go and have coffee together. And yes, my, my husband established a routine with a three-year-old, she was three at the time, of making her coffee every single morning. Right? And... Um, I now have to follow suit every single morning. Nora asks, can I have my coffee? You're, you're four. Like, should I, uh, this is bad parenting, but here you go. Like, it's your routine that your dad created, and now I have to do it every day. And so she wakes up, and she gets her morning coffee. She sits on the counter. Drew makes it, and they hang out until he goes to work. And her routine has kind of shifted a bit. But for a season, it was like clockwork. Like, it was almost insane. Like, 
Who does this every day? And so she'd wake up, and I dreaded the days when her internal clock forgot to go off. Bad day in the Kinney house. So she'd wake up, and I'd be like, oh, I'm the one that's going to have to tell her. Dad already left for work, you know? So I'd be like, hey, Nora, how's it going? And she'd be like, is Dad already gone? Where's Dad? Is he here? And I'd be like, he had to leave already, you know? And I was always like kind of slowly processing with her, but it's okay, like he's gonna be back, you know? Like mom's here, mom will make you coffee, you know? Like let's go downstairs and make coffee really quick and sit on the counter and talk about the day. Like how do we do that? You know what to do that? If that sounds fun to you, right? And so sometimes we'd even have to call Drew because it was that traumatic, you know? Drew, Nora's on the phone screaming, like tell her you're here, you know, you're gonna be home. And so that was a routine. And so we can laugh and think, well, kids, they're just kids. You know, they, you know, they get out of the routine. But if we're all honest, we're kids. When our system mess, gets messed with, when, you know, something at work changes, we don't like it. We like to know when things are. We like to know when it's going to happen, when the change is, because we don't really like change. Right? Um, and change, it's, it's inevitable. It affects everyone, men, women, young and old. It doesn't have boundaries. It's part of life and we can't escape it. And there's a saying that says this, nothing is consistent but change. Isn't that the truth? And this is what the Bible says about change. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, Pastor Johnny uh, actually shared it just a minute ago. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And it goes on to say there's a time to reap and there's a time to, to sow or to plant. There's a time for joy and there's a time for sorrow. Why? Because we're all on this journey of constant motion and change. And it's just part of life. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. You know, you can struggle through change or you can thrive through change. And I believe today that God wants to teach each one of us to thrive in our season of life, in our struggle, and even in change, to, to thrive through it. You know, why do we resist change so much? These are just three things that came to my mind pretty quickly when I, think, when I was thinking of why I resist change so much. And the first one is, it's scary. Like, it's scary. It can be terrifying. You lose your job and you're like, how am I going to support my family? You have a new baby coming and you're like, how do I do my career and baby? And then another baby comes or, or you have to switch jobs. There's just so many changes that we go through life and it can just be so overwhelmingly scary. And the second one is it's uncomfortable. Change can really be uncomfortable. And if we're honest, we all like to be comfortable. None of us on any given day are going to be like, I'm just going to choose to be uncomfortable. I'm just going to choose it today. I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to be uncomfortable all day. I'm going to wear the most uncomfortable outfit. I'm just, I want to choose uncomfort, you know, uncomfortable. We don't do that. We actually choose the opposite. Like we want what's comfortable. Um, how many of you guys have ever heard of luxury loungers? Life-changing, if you haven't, go to Tinseltown ASAP after church, and um, they're amazing. Like, I didn't like to see movies, and this is, this is the honest truth. I really probably could care less to go to a theater to see a movie. I'm like, well, just wait till it comes out on Red Box and spend $1.50, and I could watch it in my pajamas at home 
in my bed. Like, that sounds awesome to me. It's cheaper, it's like, it's more comfortable, you know? And then they did these luxury loungers, and I'm like, what is this? I could be warm in the theater. I could sleep. Worst case scenario, I could take a nap. Like, if I don't like the movie, because why do the heck they make them two hours long? I don't know, but I could nap in the movie, and that would be pretty awesome, right? So Drew and I, we took our three small kids to see a movie a few weeks ago. We saw Toy Story 4. It's excellent. And um, I don't know why we took three small, tiny, miniature humans to the movie, but we thought it's going to be super fun. And we weren't in in Medford. We were kind of on a little mini getaway. And so I'm like, Drew, I'm only going to go if there's luxury loungers. This was a true conversation. He looked it up. He said, there's luxury loungers, so no problem. I'm like, sweet, we can do this. And so we show up to our theater. And it was about the quarter of a size of a normal theater. I've never seen this small of a theater in my life. And I walked in and I was like, we have to get out of here. Like, nobody's going to want to sit by us. Like, we have three small, tiny humans. And there's no luxury loungers. Like, I want to be comfortable holding a small baby while watching a movie. And I don't want the neighbors to kill me, you know? So I'm like, we should just probably exit. You know, this better just not, you know, we, we stayed, we survived. Um, but we all like to be comfortable, right? And the third one, real quickly, is it's uncontrollable. And if we're all honest, we're a bunch of control freaks. Like, we like to control the situation. We want to make the change. We don't want anybody else to make the change. We want to know what the change is going to be like. We want to know how it's going to change. Um, and then we want to change it back if we don't like it. But the reality is that as followers of Jesus is that we were never supposed to be in control. Jesus is. And that's sometimes a tricky one for us to get. And this hits home so much is that we don't like to be out of control. A few years ago, Drew and I found ourselves in, um, I, I would call it a season of change, right? It felt like everything that felt comfortable and stable and secure had shifted. Um, where Drew was working completely shut down unexpectedly, and so that made for a new job, which made for a new career, which made for a new income, which wasn't exactly what we had hoped. And we were just getting ready to buy a house and that shut the door for that. And there was a couple of dreams in our heart that God literally just shut. Like it wasn't like, well, that's for the future. It was like, nope, that's not for you. You're we like, okay. There was some loss. I remember there was, there was just so many things. We actually changed houses. We changed a vehicle. I mean, like, I don't know if anything else could have possibly changed in that season. And it was like a three-month gap of time. And it was so overwhelming. I remember just feeling like, I don't think I can handle any more change right now. But I remember to this day, there was a, a moment in my room when I just felt like God was reminding me that it was important to process change, but even more powerful that God had a purpose in change, that there was a reason for change. Um, that God doesn't want us to just survive and struggle through seasons of change, but he wants us to thrive. He wants us to get better. And that's what I wanna talk about today is thriving through change. You know, the word thrive is, is really an opportunity to flourish. 
and to grow and to get better. And that's what God desires for us, for his church, is to grow and to get better. And I think about a beautiful tree or a plant that's growing and it's thriving and it's producing the proper fruit in the right season. And you want to have it in your house. Don't give me it because I'm going to kill it because I just, I'm not a plant person. Um, Pastor Natalie agrees, like I literally kill all plants. But a thriving plant is awesome. A thriving tree that's producing its fruit is beautiful. Or we can struggle and we can resist the change and we can actually process it wrong and there's difficulty. There could be pain and it can even be violent. And that's so often where we find ourselves when it comes to change. Like, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to resist it. Like, I don't like it. It's frustrating. It's this and this. And yet God says, if you embrace that change, and we acknowledge that God has a purpose in it, that we can actually thrive in change, that we can get better in change. And I wanna just talk briefly about a few thoughts on what it looks like to thrive in change and some scriptures that, that can help us. And the first thought is growth. Change is an opportunity for us to change. And Stephen Furtick said this, change doesn't always mean that God changes your situation. Sometimes it means he changes you. And I think oftentimes we're like, well, if my situation changed, if, if that was just different, then I would be different and I would feel different and I would act different and this would be different. But the reality is, is in the middle of change, God wants to change you. The only way that we can grow is through change. The very purpose of change is to change us and to cause us to look more and more like Christ. That's its purpose. A few months ago, I was telling my husband, Drew, I was like, babe, I really need to like get healthy. We've all had those conversations. Maybe it's to ourselves, to our spouses. Maybe it's to our small children. We just need to get healthy, you know? Um, but I remember having this conversation. Like, I just had our third baby, and I'm just like, I'm tired, and I don't feel good, and I just need to get healthy, right? And I'm like, I just, I'm venting. Like, I just, I don't know how to do it. Like, we have three small kids. Like, when am I going to work out? Like, where am I going to work out? Like, what am I going to do? And Drew's, I still, still remember where he was sitting, Bless his heart. He's like, you know, you might have to, you might have to get up before the kids. And I'm like, I might have to punch you in the face. <laughs> That's how I felt. I don't remember if I said it or not. And um, I was like, get up before the kids. Like, if you're a mom, have you ever tried to get up before your kids? They know. They know. It's something that happens in the night. They go to bed and they think, mom's going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to beat her up. <laughs> they do it. It's disgusting. I'm like, no, I can't get up before the kids. I try every day and it doesn't work. Like, I don't know how to get up before the kids. And I'm like, you know, venting my frustrations. And Drew's like, you might have to get up earlier than early. Like, earlier than before the kids. And I'm like, oh, like, when you get up? <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> I don't want to get up at five. Like, you're retarded. Like, this is insane. <laughs> this is just a glimpse into my, 
my brain. This was the real conversation. And I'm like, five? And I'm like trying to process it. So a few minutes later, I'm like, I know you're right. Like, I know that. I don't want to. But I'm going to. And so I did. I like started getting up at five and I started going to the gym and I started getting healthier. But I realized that in order for me to change an outward situation in my life, I had to change. So I needed to change to change. Like I needed to get better in an area of my life and I couldn't just do what I kept doing. I couldn't just be getting, you know, being, trying to beat the kids up every day and like trying to fit it in, but it could never fit in. And I, I had to change something for me to change, right? Um, the very definition of thrive is to grow and to flourish. John Maxwell says this, that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. So you're going to change, Like change is going to hit your life. It's hitting your life. It's going to continue to hit your life until the day you um, meet the grave. Like it's, it's, it's a reality. But whether you grow in those seasons of change is your choice. And I want to ask you this morning, are you allowing the season of change to bring growth and change in your life? Have you stopped growing because you're frustrated with where you're at? Number two thought is change is trust. Change is an opportunity to trust God's plan. When change comes, and it's not the change that you wanted, you like, you expect, or planned, oftentimes it's easy for us to start distrusting God's plan. But the reality is is that your plan, it never usually matches what God's plan looks like. You know, Drew and I's life is a a really big testament to this. I just, so often we're like, we have this carefully made plan and it looks like a God plan and it looks great. And God's like, "Eh, I have a different one. And we're like, but it seemed great and it seemed good. And yet God always has a different plan. But hear me today, church, God's plan for you is always better than your plan for you. I'm going to say that again. God's plan for you is always better than your plan for you. Always. And that's so challenging because so often we're like, we have a good plan. Like it's a good one. And yet God's plan looks different so often. And yet it's always better than ours. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Trusting God is key to thriving in every season of change because it's acknowledging that he's in control and that he knows what's best for you. Listen to this church. We can trust God with change because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever because he's a good God, because his word tells us that his plan for us is to prosper us and not to harm us, because he knows the beginning to the very end, and because his promises are yes and amen. Church, we can trust God with his plan because it's always better than your plan. And I want to ask you today, are you trusting God's plan in this season of life? Is God in control in this season of change? 
And number three is, thought number three is joy and gratitude. Change is an opportunity to find joy and gratitude in all things. You know, kids have a really good way of teaching us this. A couple of years ago, my husband and I were planning a trip to Seattle to visit my grandma, and we had a three-week-old baby and a two-year-old. So we booked a hotel in Vancouver and one in Seattle area, and everything was great. And we show up, and it's kind of late at night to our first hotel in Vancouver, like pretty late at night. And we had two small kids. And I step into the hotel room, and I'm like, this is disgusting. I'm stepping out. And Drew was like, okay, I'll try, you know, just kidding. And so we like walk in and we're like, I don't want to touch anything. I definitely don't want to sleep in those sheets. And it smells like death and cigarettes. And it, this is disgusting. Like we can't sleep in here and we're just like complaining and it's disgusting. And Drew's like, I have a plan. I'll open the window. At least we can get some fresh air. I'm like, good plan, good plan. So he like goes to the window, he goes to open it and there's no screen. What hotel doesn't have a screen on it? Like, Safety issues, you know, and we're on the first floor. So I'm like, if we left the window open, we're going to die. Like, we're going to get murdered, you know? And I'm pretty sure there was people doing drugs around the corner. It was disgusting. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I thought I booked a three-star. This definitely is not a three-star hotel. This, this has to be a two or two and a half, you know? But I'm like, we, we suffered through it, and we, we ended up staying, you know? But the, the point of the story is, is that our two-year-old daughter at the time, she's two, this happened. And she walked in. She's like, this is amazing. Like, this hotel, like, there's two beds. I'm like, yep, most of them have two beds, you know? There's a bathroom. I'm like, don't touch the bathroom. Please don't touch the bathroom. You know, like, there's a little refrigerator. I'm like, yeah, it's great, huh? And she's just like, this is amazing. Thank you so much, mommy and daddy. Like, I love this hotel room. Like, this is going to be so fun. And I'm like, Drew and I are like, we have to change our perspective, you know? And it's so true that our joy and our gratitude are so circumstantial. If we like it, we're gonna rejoice. If we don't like it, we're not. And Nora taught us a valuable lesson that day that is ingrained in our memories. Like literally, we talk about it to this day because she saw something in the grossness that we didn't see. She was joyful and thankful no matter what situation she was in. And we had to shift our perspective, you know? We had to change. Listen to this. Joy is a choice. Gratitude is a response. Our joy and our gratitude, they go hand in hand. And Joanna Gaines says this. It is such a blessing to find myself in the middle of pain. Unless you find a way to do that, there's always going to be this fake illusion that once you get there, wherever there is for you, you'll be happy. But life's, but that's just not life. If you can't find happiness in the ugliness, you're never going to find it in the beauty either. Ephesians 5.20 says this, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Give thanks for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So we give thanks for everything in all circumstance. For everything in all. The change you didn't like, the change you did like, the change you didn't expect, the change you did expect. This is challenging church that we're to give thanks all the time. And I want to ask you today, are you measuring your joy and gratitude correctly? 
Is it circumstantially? How can you choose joy and gratitude today? Thought number four is peace. Change gives us the opportunity to find peace in the unknown. You know, change can feel hectic and chaotic and unknown, and it might be overwhelming, but we don't have to live here. Colossians Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. C.S. Lewis said this, life with God is not immunity to difficulties, but it's peace in difficulties. You know, there's a peace that comes from God that we can have in every season, in all situations, in all circumstances. And I want to ask you today, are you and your surroundings always in a constant state of chaos? How can you allow peace to rule in your hearts in this season of life? And last thought, contentment. Change gives us an opportunity to be content with where you're at and with what you have. You know, I love that all of these things put together, when you're growing through change and you're getting better and you're changing and you're having joy and gratitude that's not circumstantial and you're trusting God and there's peace that's ruling in your heart, you come to this place of contentment. You come to this beautiful place of fullness in Christ, of satisfaction with where you're at and what you have. Hear me today that contentment is not complacency. Complacency is a, is a failure to stop growing. It's not where God wants you. It's, it's, it's stuck. It's maybe frustrated. But contentment is peace with where you're at. It's an okay with where you're at with this acknowledgement that God's changing you and growing you and forming you. And so you're getting better and you're growing, but you're still content with the job that God has you in because you know it's where God wants you. That's what God has. And listen to this, Paul said to the Philippian church in Philippians 4.11, it said, not that I have ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's challenging church. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I want to ask you today, are you content with what you have and where you're at? Are you being a wise steward of what you have in the season you're in? Are you wasting it, church? Are you content? Are you letting God transform you? I don't know about you, but I don't want to struggle through change. I want to thrive. I want to get better. And maybe you're in this place and you've been going through a painful change. I believe God wants to speak to you today. Maybe there's been some loss in your life, some death. Maybe there's been divorce, but you're going through a painful change And God wants to know, wants you to know today that he is walking with you through change. Joanna Gaines said this, I always thought that thriving would come when everything was perfect. And what I learned is that it's actually down in the mess that things get good. Listen to this church, that God gets down in your mess. He gets down in your pain. He gets down in your struggle. And he walks with you. 
And maybe for a season he even carries you because he's that good. Because he loves you and he knows and his plan's better for you than you even have for yourself. I love that the reality of change is this, is that it's always calling us higher. It's calling us to look more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of change, church. It's not to harm you, but to make you better, to make you stronger, to make you look more like Jesus. That's amazing. That's awesome because God wants you to look more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for you today, church. Maybe you've been struggling in change and today God wants you to thrive. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray today that God's going to make this word alive and real for you to walk out. God, we thank you so much for your sons, for your daughters in this place today. God, if they've been walking through painful change or unknown change or scary change, that you come and you walk with them, that you journey with them, you don't leave us on our own. And God, I pray today that you would teach us Oh God, how to thrive, how to get better, how to grow, and ultimately to look more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. You can keep your heads heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm gonna give an opportunity for anybody in this place that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've invited him into your life in the past, but you've walked away. Maybe you've never done it. Today is your day to encounter a God that doesn't change. You know, we live in a changing world. Like I said, there's nothing consistent but change. But Malachi 6.6 6 says this, I'm the Lord and I do not change. James 1.17 says, whatever is good and perfect is coming down from us, from God our Father, we created all the lights who created all the lights from heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. We serve a God that does not change in the middle of a world that is constantly changing and you can put your trust in him. You can give him your whole life. And today, if you're here and you've never made that decision or you would like to remake that decision, I want you to be bold today with no eyes looking and just raise your hand. Say, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna give him my life, I wanna give him my heart, I see that hand. What an amazing decision to say yes to Jesus today. There's no other decision that's better than saying yes to God. If you guys would pray with me, we're gonna close with this. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and lived a perfect life. You bore my sins so that I would not have to. Wash me and make me clean. Come and live on the inside of me. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.